Ephesians chapter 2. We're just going to continue going verse by verse tonight. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 4. Our theme is the marvelous grace of God, uh, and it truly is wonderful. It is truly wonderful. Um, I was thinking as we are singing, there is a fountain. I am so thankful that that fountain is still flowing today, uh, that no matter what background you come from, uh, that if you'll just plunge beneath that flood, uh, it'll wash all your sins away. I'm thankful for that tonight. I'm thankful for the grace of God. Amen. Uh, where would, uh, and think on this, where would we be without God's grace? Can you, can you fathom where you and I would be at if we didn't have God's grace? If we were still living by the law, can you imagine how miserable we would be? Living by the law of, uh, of the uh, Jews and, and the law of God that was passed down through Moses? Man, that would be a miserable state. But thank God Christ came to set us free and came to help us enjoy living under grace. Amen. I'm thankful for that tonight. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 4, and it says this, But God who is rich in mercy. I want to go slow tonight. Is that okay? But God. Now this morning I told you that, that the Apostle Paul was telling the church at Ephesus that yes, they had been quickened by the Spirit of the living God. Yes, they had been quickened by the grace of God. Yes, they had been quickened by, by the sacrifice that Jesus done at Calvary. Uh, uh, but then he said, but I want you to understand that it was nothing of yourselves because you were dead. Because you were dead in trespasses and sins. And I talked about this morning how uh, that because of the original sin in the Garden of Eden, sin progressively got worse and worse each year, creating a massive gap, a massive gulf between our fellowship with God. And the only way that we can have access to God is by faith in Jesus Christ. Romans 5 and 2. And I'll be there shortly. Uh, but we know that we have access unto the Father through Jesus Christ by faith. But tonight, I want us to understand that though we were in sin and though this great gulf was betwixt you and I, notice what verse 4 says, But God. Thank God tonight. For what he did for us. He didn't have to do it for us, but he did because he loved us. But God who is rich in mercy. If you was here in the revival Tuesday night, I preached on the mercy of God and how that it endureth forever. I'm thankful tonight that God's mercy endures forever. I'm glad that we have the mercy of God this day. There will come a time when we do not have the mercy of God. And we all can agree to that, amen. When, when Jesus steps out on the eastern sky and he calls the church out of here, there'll they'll come a time of tribulation period. They'll, they'll and to me, the, the tribulation period is the ultimate mercy of God. Now, he's going to send wrath, he's going to send vengeance, but there's still going to be mercy and grace there because we know that there will be people that will be saved and born again throughout the tribulation period. He's, what, it, what he's doing is he's trying to refine the Jewish people to come back unto the, uh, the Messiah and to serve him and to worship him like it was originally planned. Um, and that's what the tribulation period is for. But I am thankful that today we have the mercy of God. Now when the tribulation period is over and we all go to the judgment of God, mercy will be gone. Grace will be gone. It will be time of judgment because God is a holy God. And he said, I will have mercy upon whom I have mercy, but I will have vengeance upon whom I have vengeance. And so, uh, and a lot of times we want to, uh, we look at a person's life and, and doom them to hell in our own self. But listen, we are not the judge, amen? Now, we know that a tree uh, will produce the fruit, uh, and we can know a tree by the fruit it produces, amen? But we are not to judge them based off of their spiritual condition because we, no man can judge them. Uh, and, and that's a whole other topic, that's a whole other sermon that I could preach on how that we shall judge angels and, and because we are, we are told to judge certain things, amen? So please don't misunderstand me. I do understand all that. Don't misunderstand me tonight. But God who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, 
even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Tonight I want us to understand that in verses 4 through 7, the focus has, has shifted in this passage from the sinner to the Savior. The Apostle Paul in the first few verses, he expressed the, in, de, in great detail uh, the life of the sinner. And now he is describing the attributes of God as the, the, as the Savior. God saved man through his Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. We could not have the forgiveness of sins or the redemption through his blood, as Ephesians 1 talks about, had not God had this great love for you and I. And I'm talking about God the Father. Because God the Father, he predestinated everything according to his own will that every man who would call upon the name of his son Jesus Christ shall be saved. It's simple, amen. It is plain and simple that if you are in sin, that if we would call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, He would forgive us of all of our sin and He would establish our goings. He would put new life within us. And the Bible says that we, we know that we have passed from death unto life, amen. And that is what He's doing. So we see in this verse, He says, And hath raised us up together. He resurrected us. This morning I ended with a quote that we are not sick, but we are dead. We do not need resuscitation, but we need resurrection. And that is what Paul is describing at the church of Ephesus. He's saying, listen, God did not just bring you back to life, but he made you alive. There's a difference. Not, there's a difference in being made alive and being brought back to life. Amen. Because being brought back to life means that you were once alive. Right? But Paul is telling them that through the power of Jesus Christ, you have been quickened. Verse number 1. And that is because of what God did. For, but God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us. He has taken the focus off of the sinner, and now he places it on a great Savior. And we want to look at the attributes of the Savior in the perfect sense. Tonight, uh, and we know that, that uh, this passage of Scripture is, is shifting our eyes from, from who we were before Christ, and we're seeing who God has been throughout all eternity. He has never changed, amen? amen. Who He was when He created Adam and Eve is still who He is today. He is perfect, He is holy, He is uh, uh, glorious, He is magnificent, He is marvelous, he, he is the beginning and the end, He is the Alpha and Omega, and, and He is full of grace and truth. Amen, that's what uh, I believe First John, uh, I mean not First John, but St. John's Gospel teaches us that He came full of grace and truth. And that's, that's His attributes, He is uh, full of love. The Word of God says in First John that God is Love. He is perfect love. And perfect love casts out all what? Fear. It casts out all fear. That is his attributes. And we got to understand the attributes of God because when we view God in his perfect holiness and, and his holy righteousness, amen, we, we view God as this righteous uh, 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 creator and then we see the depravity of man and how low and how filth and and how unclean we were, boy, it, it, it really paints a picture of how marvelous grace God has bestowed upon you and I. And that's what I want to try and, and help you visualize tonight is because as God is holy and we are sinners, it took marvelous grace to redeem mankind. What Jesus Christ did at the cross was not some small thing, like I said this morning, but it was the greatest thing to ever happen in the course of this world because God sent his only begotten son to die a sinner's death. He was made sin. And I could go on and on on that. 
In verse number 6, we find that the Word of God says, And made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Thank God I've sit in some of those heavenly places, hadn't you? I was in a heavenly place this past week, Thursday night, when the Spirit of God, listen, at the end of that service, the fountain of heaven just poured out. And it got thick in here. Uh, and Friday night too, listen, it, there was a solemn, holy reverence here Friday night. And the night before, it was a solemn, holy presence of a great shepherd. Because I'm glad he's my shepherd tonight, ain't you? I'm glad that he cares for us tonight. I'm glad that he loves us tonight. But I want us to think on, on these heavenly places. We were in sin. We were an outcast. We, our position as sinners was that of the same as the leper. The leper who had spots on his flesh. Uh, when he went into the city, he would have to cry, unclean, unclean, unclean. And they would cast him back out of the city and keep him away because leprosy was very, very contagious. And they would keep him outside of the city. And he was an outcast and he ate the scraps from the city. He, he ate the garbage that, uh, you know, we've heard of these homeless people dumpster diving for food and, and different things. And that's kind of the picture of a leper. And a leper would uh, eat the, the scrums and the scraps of whatever was left out of the city and they were just uh, uh, unclean and they were filthy uh, and nobody cared for them. Nobody loved them. Nobody appreciated them. Nobody uh, wanted to have any dealings with these people. And that was our state as sinners. But God has sent His Son to redeem mankind so that we as sinners can sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And it's only because of that marvelous grace that He has bestowed the grace that is greater than our sin. I want us to understand tonight that mercy is what we do deserve. God is withholding from us what we do deserve. That is mercy. Because God in His infinite justice and in His infinite holiness could look upon the sinful state of man and condemn them to hell that moment. But He didn't. Why? Because his mercy endureth forever. And because of his great mercy and his love, he has withheld from us what we do deserve. His grace tonight is him giving to us what we do not deserve. It's unmerited favor. Even while we were an outcast like the lepers, the king of kings welcomed us into his palace. Even though we were unclean, even though we were unholy and unrighteous and full of sin and full of filth, the king of all kings welcomed us in to the heavenly realm through Jesus Christ. And he allowed us to sit down in heavenly places. And this is our spiritual position once we have accepted this free gift of grace for the forgiveness of sins. And that only comes through faith. Listen, God has given every man alive, every woman alive, He has given them the grace of God because He sent His only begotten Son to die for everyone, everywhere, on every continent. We all agree on that, right? How do we receive God's grace? We receive God's grace and He, uh, he imparts His grace on the believer who comes to him in humbleness, in a broken and contrite spirit, and confesses that the Lord Jesus Christ is his Savior. Amen? And how do we do that? It is through our faith. And we must have faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Listen, our eyes have not seen Jesus. Amen? But through the power and the demonstration of the Holy Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost can manifest the, the, what Jesus Christ did for us on, the Cal on Calvary, it can manifest in our lives and build our faith and help us to accept this free gift of grace through salvation. That is how we are born again. In verse 8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. We all agree on that tonight. 
Or at least I hope we do because it's the Word of God. We have to agree on the Word of God tonight. It is not of ourselves. We do not have the grace in ourselves to forgive ourselves. We do not have the capability to redeem ourselves from a sinful state. But it was grace that was imparted, something that we do not deserve from a marvelous God. And He gave us this grace through faith. Our faith says, I accept. Amen? It's just like uh, if I can paint a picture for you, or if I can give you a, visual, a visualization tonight, it would be as though I went and spent all this money and I bought you a brand new car. Let's just put a price tag on it, okay? Let's say I went and I bought you a $100,000 vehicle. Miss Andrea, it had five row seats in it. Luxury, had a big screen on the front dash, GPS, had a DVD player on two rolls so that all the kids could watch TV. Just imagine the nicest vehicle that you can possibly ever have and somebody willingly, freely, of them own selves coming to you with the keys in hand, putting them in your hand and saying, here, it's yours. You don't owe me anything. You don't owe me anything. It's yours. Take it. Well, if you refuse to accept that gift, that is on your part. Right? That's your free will choice. And we are free will Baptists. So we believe that we have the free will to accept or reject Christ and the forgiveness of sins. Miss Donnie, if I handed you this $100,000 vehicle car keys and you laid them down in your seat, and you got up, and you went back, and you drove the car that you came in, you had just rejected a marvelous free gift. By saying no in and of itself is a decision. Not saying anything is a decision in and of itself. But tonight, if you took those keys, Brother Mark, out of my hand, and you just got up with joy, and you hugged my neck, and, and, and you shook my hand, and, and, and you just showed how gra grateful you were for this gift, and, and you saying, oh, thank you, thank you, I accept, I accept, I love it. Uh, however you express your gratitude, you have just then accepted this free gift, this marvelous gift that, that uh, and I'm not saying that you do not deserve a new car. You, you certainly do. So please don't misunderstand me tonight. Uh, if you work hard and, and listen, if you raise kids the way that they got to raise kids, listen, you deserve anything that they can get, uh, bless God, through the blessings of God. But I'm, I want us to understand, there's no, I don't deserve a $100,000 car. I don't deserve somebody to go and pay $100,000 for me to... Uh, uh, earn that or win that or anything like that. So please don't misunderstand me tonight. But we did not deserve this free gift. There is nothing that we done to work our way to deserve it. There was nothing that we, we done to pay our way to deserve it. I mean, we were, out of total, we were out of total fellowship with God, but He brought the keys. Understand me tonight. He brought the keys of salvation to you and said, here you go. Here you go. By the Holy Ghost of God, through the power that was uh, in the blood on the cross, the Holy Ghost brought to you the keys of life. And he said, here you go, Brother Robert. Here is the keys to your life. You have a decision to make on whether you accept it or you reject it. And too many people today are rejecting this free gift because they see other people who profess it, but they don't live it. And I believe that when you possess it, and, and see, I was telling somebody the other day that salvation is not just the profession of your, uh, of, it's not just the profession of your mouth or your lips, but it's also the possession of your heart. You cannot possess without professing and you cannot profess without possessing because then you're just, you're not all in, if that's what I'm, I'm trying to say. You're not all in. You've got to be all in. 
Because Romans 10 says that on the heart man believeth unto righteousness, unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So he is telling us that we must possess. What, what shall we possess? We shall possess faith. Amen. We have to possess faith in order to possess Christ. But once we possess faith and we possess Christ, we must then profess with our lips. Amen. I hope I explained that and not confused you tonight. So we see that our heavenly, or we see that our spiritual position is in Christ, though we did not deserve it. Hebrews 11 and 6 says this, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. I'm thankful tonight that if you want to be saved, you can be saved. I'm thankful tonight that if you want the forgiveness of sins in your life, you can find the forgiveness of sins in your life because all you have to do is by your faith seek the Lord. That's all it takes. Now I know that I'm not an elegant preacher. I know that I'm not your favorite preacher or, your, or the best preacher you've ever heard. I know that. But I hope that, that my love and, and my compassion toward you is able to help you grow deeper in the Scripture. And, and because I love the Word of God. Listen, I study the Word of God and I try to dig as deep as I can in this blessed book. I try to know all about it uh, through the help of the Holy Spirit. I certainly do try to gain wisdom and knowledge through the Word of God. And some of you, I, I'm sure if I called on one of you to get up and teach Ephesians 2, y'all could teach it a lot better than I can. But I'm trying through the power of the Holy Spirit to help you understand. Listen, I'm just an old country boy, and I, I'm simple. I can't speak with uh, excellent words, uh, but I want to speak with the power of the Holy Spirit tonight uh, through love because I want you to understand how marvelous God's grace really is. In Romans chapter 5 tonight, I do have several verses of Scripture, but I am almost done. I promise you that. Romans chapter 5 tonight. Verse number 12. Romans 5, 5 and verse number 12. says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. What's he talking about? He's talking about Jesus. Because... He, Jesus became the second Adam. Amen. He, 1 Corinthians 15 says that he, uh, what the first Adam could not do, the last man Adam, which is Jesus Christ, he was able to fulfill. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. Hallelujah. Thanks be unto God right there. Because of the free gift. If for the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God. Understand tonight. Much more the grace of God and the gift by grace. He's talking about salvation. He's talking about the mystery of God, the mystery of Jesus Christ. How that a Gentile can be brought and be born again and be part of the family of God, what we did not deserve, which is by one man Jesus Christ hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace. Did you catch that? which receive abundance of grace. 
marvelous grace. And of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men under justification of life. I'm thankful tonight that through the righteousness of one, we, re we receive the justification of our sins. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall be many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace, hallelujah, did much more abound. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah today. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Romans chapter 6 verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? This has uh, hung a lot of people. They don't understand that just because we have the grace of God and the forgiveness of sins, well, some people think, well, I can just go and go and party and go and uh, go to the casinos and drink all the beer I want to drink and, and, and go and do all this ungodly things. But God did not save us to stay in our sin. God saved us to redeem us from our sin, to be brought out of our sin so that we would live righteously, soberly, and godly in this present world. Amen? Titus 2 and 15 and 16. Verse number 2. God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. He's telling us how we are to walk after we have received this marvelous grace. Amen? Listen, some people might want to argue with me and disagree with me, uh, uh, and, and I'm going to tell you tonight that if we do what God has commanded us to do, if we keep the commandments of God, if we live in holiness and righteousness to the best of our ability, if we do what God asks us to do according to our faith and to the grace of God, He is able to keep us. He is able to sustain us. Amen? Please don't misunderstand me when I say that. He did not save us to remain in sin. I was telling somebody uh, this week that, that repentance, and, and y'all, if you have questions, we'll talk about it. Repentance, to me personally, repentance is for our sanctification, not to keep us saved. We do not have the power within our, in ourselves to keep us saved, but our repentance... When we sin, what shall we do? The Bible says that if any man has sinned, we have an advocate with the Father, that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. Amen? Amen? So repentance. When we know that we have sin in our life, when we repent of our sin, not only one, does God forgive us of our sin, but he is also able to sanctify us and separate us from that sin. Because here's the thing. When we see that we have sin in our life, what does the word repentance mean? It doesn't mean to pray and say, well, Lord, I'm sorry for telling this lie. I'm sorry for, I'm sorry for looking at this. Or I'm sorry for listening to this. Or I'm sorry for drinking of this. That ain't what repentance is. Amen? Repentance means, oh, God, I'm sorry I have broken your covenant. I have, I have sinned against you. Please forgive me. Please take this away from me. And we get up. With the forgiveness of God, we get up with the grace of God and we say no to that sin and we cast that out of our life and we do not pick it up again. Amen. Amen. Amen? We live by a convicting power of the Holy Ghost. And if, God, if, 
Your conviction will not be my conviction. Amen? Some people, uh, and Brother Robert, I'm going to pick on you for a little while, okay? Everybody knows that he is well known for the handlebars. Amen? Well known for the, the biker handlebars. And I'm not saying that God convicted you over it. I ain't saying that. But I'm going to use it as an analogy. What if God spoke to Brother Robert while he was at work one day and said, Brother Robert, you know, you're my son, and I'm trying to make you holy. I'm trying to make you like my son, Jesus Christ. I'm trying to make you different. I'm trying to make you stand out from among the world and be you separate. Would you shave off your mustache for me? Would you shave off the, the handlebars for me just to be different, just just for my sake, just to get closer to me. And if Brother Robert chose not to shave his handlebars after the Lord asked him to do so, to him it would be sin. Do we understand that? Maybe that's not a good analogy, but that's what came to my mind tonight because he might have a personal conviction to be clean shaved, where I do not. Now, does it mean that I'm in sin because I have a full beard? No. Because God has not spoken to my heart on, Ben, I think you ought to shave. I, th I don't think you should have that beard. I think you need to stand out from among the world and be separate. God has not spoken to that my, in my heart. And so I do not feel that that is sin in my life. But I will say this, when, and y'all remember the baseball story I told a, a while back on how that I put baseball before God and, and I was just so excited about baseball and doing this and doing that. And God said, Ben, I want you to lay it down. Ben, I want you to put it, put it away because I want to use you. I want to get the most potential out of you and the most glory out of you that I can get. It was hard for me to say, okay, Lord. Okay, Lord. But I knew that if I said, okay, Lord... I knew that I could not return and play baseball. I knew that I could never go and put on that uniform, pick up a bat, and pick up my ball glove, and the Lord be satisfied. To me, it would be sin. And God has not... God is trying to sanctify us. Okay? There is things in every one of our lives that God is trying to sanctify us and help us come out of and to separate ourselves from so that we can be holy children of God. When I, when I first got saved, y'all might think this is legalistic of me and that's okay. When I first got saved, I, I, I loved country music. Now, if you listen to country music tonight, I'm not telling you to stop listening to country music. So please don't misunderstand me tonight. But what I'm trying to understand, I'm trying to share personal, uh, uh, personal convictions in my life that I have. If you were in my car, well, uh, not my Ford because my Ford don't have radio anymore. So, But if you were riding in the vehicle with me, I would not be listening to country music. Now, my wife likes listening to country music. That is not her conviction. So if she wants to listen to country music, I'll let her listen to country music. That's not her conviction. But if I am the driver and you are my guest, you will listen to Christian music. Because my conviction is that I'm not to partake in the classic rock or the classic country or those types of music. That is a personal conviction in me. But if I refuse to obey that conviction, it would be sin. Amen? Does that mean that I'm backslid? And I, no, it doesn't. But what it does mean is that I'm walking in disobedience unto God and God wants me to repent of that sin so that I can be made more like Jesus Christ in my life. That is what the grace of God is for, is that when He shows us the sin, because law, listen, we didn't know what sin was until the law came, and the law shows what our sin is, but thank God God's grace is able to help us with the punishment of the law. God's grace takes away the punishment of the law and He gives life to us when we accept through faith that gift. Maybe that didn't make any sense to y'all whatsoever. I don't know. If it didn't, let's talk. 
Maybe I can explain it better one-on-one. I don't know. But tonight, what, where I all started with this was that we cannot keep ourselves saved because we are not the one who saved us. Amen? Does that, does that make sense? We cannot keep ourselves saved because we did not do the saving. God did the saving. By His grace, through our faith, God saved us. So it is also through our faith that God keeps us saved. So if you get born again at eight years old, it is through your faith and God's grace that is able to keep you saved until you're an 80-year-old woman or an 80-year-old man. Do you believe that a person can be saved that long? Absolutely, if it be God's will. But it's not that person that kept themselves saved. It was the grace of God. It was their faith. Amen? And it was the Word of God that helped them. Listen, there ain't not a day in my life that I woke up and I said, you know what? I can't wait to go out and sin. I can't wait to go and disobey God. There ain't a day in my life since I've been saved that I've woke up and said that. But you know what? Like I said this morning, it's our sinful nature. It's, our, it's the nature of man, and we just sin. We sin every day if we want to be honest with ourselves. That's why the Apostle Paul said, I die daily. We must repent of our sin so that God can sanctify us and call us out of our sin and help us to be holy. Romans 6 Verse 19 through 23 says, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. Do we understand that tonight? That simply means that when we were the servants of sin, we could not be free. We could not, we were living under the righteousness of God and it condemned us because we were not able to live up to it. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end is everlasting life. Hallelujah. I don't have to worry. I don't have to. It's not of myself. It is not of my works. It is not of the things that I do. It is by God's grace and that we may have fruit unto holiness. God has not called us to live in sin. He said that, shall we sin that grace may abound? God forbid. We must sanctify ourselves. And sanctification is a process. And that is why I told you the examples of the country music in my life or the baseball in my life. Uh, and right now I'm praying and, and I'm asking God for other convictions. And, and just this summer, I was telling my wife, if it's... If we are swimming with other people, I feel that I need to be clothed. Amen? Don't misunderstand me. I always going to wear swim trunks, so please don't misunderstand me on that. I thought, boy, that did not come out the way it was supposed to. You can laugh. It's okay. But I, I'm not being one to swim with a shirt on. So God has been dealing with me that when we are with other people, that in order to keep myself pure and holy in the sight of God, it is best for me to wear a shirt while I'm wearing my swim trunks, mind you, with other people. Now, it's okay. I feel that it is okay for me to not do that if I'm with my wife and children. If nobody else is around, I probably don't have to wear a T-shirt. But God has spoke to my heart and to keep myself holy unto God and to keep His commandments and be obedient unto the Spirit of God. If I'm swimming with other people, I'm going to wear a t-shirt. Now some of you others may not feel that way. And that is okay. 
but God is trying to sanctify me and God is trying to sanctify my family. And so we discuss things and we talk about things and we try to understand what God is exactly telling us to do to keep ourselves holy, pure, and peculiar because we are not to be blended in with the world. That's what he's talking about. You have your fruit unto holiness. And if you do these things, if you live in the holiness of God, the end will be everlasting life. I mean, that's not that hard to understand, is it? Okay. What verse was that? Verse 23. But now being, uh, verse 22, but now being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your, whole, your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans chapter 7, verses uh, 5 through 8. It says, For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sins which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. But now we are delivered from the law, that being dead wherein we were held, that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin but by the law, for I had not known lust except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. Verse 17. It says, Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. When we sin, it is not our spiritual man that is sinning. It is our flesh. Amen. We understand that. It's not the new man that is sinning. It is the old man. I'll go to Romans chapter 7. Now because of that, but sin that dwelleth in me. Listen to what the Lord spoke to my heart. And that is why we must repent. Repentance allows the Spirit to sanctify us to walk and live like Jesus Christ. Many want to live like the heathen do once they have asked Christ for forgiveness, but that is not Bible. God did not save you to continue living like the heathen. He saved you unto holiness. You are born again unto holiness in the life of the Spirit of God. By grace... Through faith. Romans 7, 22. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. That's the man that has been brought to life, that has been quickened. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. That's the spiritual man. But I see another law in my members, that's the flesh, warring against the law of my mind. And bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? He's saying, I deal with this constant sinful nature still today. He's saying, I, I wish that I could do what that which I would not, but and, and maybe that's. Uh, he said in verse 19, For the good that I would, I do not. He wants to do good. He wants to live right. He wants to be perfect like Jesus Christ. But his nature will not allow it. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Because we have not been delivered from this body of flesh. So therefore our nature is sinful. And we will continue to sin until Jesus Christ comes. But that is why we must try our very best to walk in holiness and in the newness of life and walk in the Spirit so that we might not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That is why we must crucify the flesh. But he said, Oh, wretched man that I am. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. This is after he met Jesus Christ. He's been born again, but yet he still has sin. He says, Oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Verse 25. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord 
So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Romans 8. Just a few more scripture and I'm done. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. That right there, that's the way we ought to live, amen? When God saves us through His marvelous grace, through the faith in the Son of the Lord Jesus Christ, there is there now for no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Brother Everett uh, preached on John 3 and 18, but he didn't say uh, 3.17. 3.17 says, For uh, he that believeth not is condemned already. But it's not God that condemns us, it's ourself that condemns us because we do not believe. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Our salvation is not in ourselves. It's in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sent in His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. <clears throat> For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. What does that mean? Well, the person who professes Christ, I'm not saying that, that he has received Christ or not, that is between him and God. That person, if they mind the fleshly things, they're going to do the things of the flesh. But I believe that if you truly get born again and the grace of God has appeared and been shed abroad in your heart, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says that, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, and old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. That tells me that if we are saved by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are to mind the spiritual things. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh, boy, this is an important scripture. This is a very, very, very important scripture. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Have you ever understood why it is that some days you're just close to the Lord and you want to get in the Word and you want to pray and, and when you pray you can just feel the Holy Ghost touch you and, and, and you feel like you're in the prayer room of heaven and, and you're walking with the Lord and He's talking to you and you can hear His voice and, and it seems like He's right beside you all the way and He's talking to you. And you're just having a great fellowship with the Lord. You ever had those times? I've had those times. I mean, I've had that time this week. When He's just so close to you. And you can hear His voice. That's, that's how you know that you're walking in the Spirit and you're minding the spiritual things. But I, I can tell you this. The day that I don't read my Bible, the day that I don't pray like I should, the day that I don't worship like I should or, or, or mind the spiritual things like I should, I then walk in the flesh. And all day long, or it might last a couple days, it might last a couple weeks that I walk in the flesh. And if I'm walking in the flesh, the Bible says that I cannot please God. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. That's after salvation. Why? Because we're warring against ourselves, right? We have the spirit and the flesh warring in our members. And I heard an old preacher say this one time. I believe it was Brother Dole Williamson from Missouri. He said, the spirit that you feed the most is the one that will live the most. 
So if you feed your flesh every day and you malnourish the spirit, then your flesh is the one that's going to live and you cannot please God in your flesh. But if you feed your inner man, if you feed the spiritual man more than your flesh, you can please God by faith. Amen. Amen. Last verse, verse number 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. That's pretty hard to, to think on right there. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And listen, there's a lot of spirits, amen? I believe that there's a lot of spirits in the church. And if you have not the Spirit of Christ, Paul's telling the Romans... You're none of his. That's why I believe that John, the, the, uh, the, the apostle John, when he wrote uh, 1 John, if you read chapter 4, verse number 1, says, My beloved brethren, my beloved brethren, we know also that there is many spirits that have entered into the world. So then he says, So beloved, try the spirits and see whether or not they are of God or not. That is what we are to do every day is to try the spirits. Try the spirits that are living around us because we want to be a part of the Spirit of Christ. Amen. We want to be a part of the Spirit that worketh in the children of God whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Galatians chapter 2, verse 13 through 15, and I'll close with this scripture. It says Galatians uh, 2, 13. It says, And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Uh, he took our charges, if you will. When a man or a woman gets booked in jail, they get charged with their crime. Amen? We understand that. They get charged with a crime. And then they will receive the punishment for those charges. That's what he's talking about. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. That is the charges on us. We were guilty. Amen. We were guilty in the flesh. Which was contrary to us. Meaning it was meant for our destruction. But he took it out of the way and nailed it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. I'm thankful tonight that he took away our sin, took away our reproach, took away the law that condemned us, nailed it to his cross, shed his life's blood for us to be born again. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. And we'll get into more of verse number 8 next Sunday, Lord willing, with the Lord being our helper. Uh, you pray for us. I hope that you're learning. I hope that I'm teaching. Uh, I hope that I'm teaching proper. Uh, because I want to be a good steward of what God has entrusted me with. Um, if you uh, have any questions, feel free to talk to me. I, I encourage that. If you want to sit in my office and discuss it, let's go in my office and discuss it. Uh, but I'm trying my very best. Listen, I'm new to this pastor thing, and my wife's new to this pastor thing, and uh, she can't understand why I'm... Uh, well, she can understand it. Uh, and sometimes it's hard when both kids are awake or when one kid is awake and the other one's taking a nap, and, and she's got 50 chores to do in the house, and, and I'm up here studying for four or five hours, and, and, and it's hard on her. It's tiresome on her. But I, I do that because I want to give you my best every Sunday. And pretty soon, I, and I ain't said this, but I'm hoping to start Wednesday night meeting again uh, the week after vacation Bible school. Uh, Brother Bill has talked to me, and July the 9th will be the last online Bible study. Uh, he has talked to me about that, and he is uh, wanting to do that. So I'm going to let the church know that tonight, that July 9th will be the end of the... Wednesday night Bible studies, but uh, starting July the 20th, I believe it is. Is July, uh, no, that Sunday is the 19th, right? 
So it would be the 21st or 22nd, July 22nd. Yes, July 22nd. I plan to meet back here on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock. Is everybody okay with that? I mean, it, uh, yes, no, maybe. Huh? Okay. I just looked at my phone. Uh, it, it's the 22nd. So July 22nd, I'm hoping to meet back here on Wednesday nights at 7. Um, but be in prayer about that. I mean, we know that the numbers of the virus is still ticking up, so we want to be safe and precautious and, and do that what is best for our elderly people. And uh, Well, Brother John said most people are getting it now is my age, so uh, pray for my, my generation too. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, y'all just pray for us. We're leaving out tonight, going to Tennessee, so remember us in your prayers. We should get there about 5 a.m. Uh, in the morning, so y'all pray for us. Uh, well, you, when you got these little ones, they can ride so much better at night. Mom can too, so um, just pray for us tonight. Brother Joe and Miss Kelly is leaving out Tuesday. They're flying to Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, so pray for their travels. Uh, I think there's some others taking vacation this week. Pray for them. Uh, I know Everett Crystal, they left this morning going to the Smoky Mountains. So pray for them, their travels. Um, anybody got anything on their heart this, this evening? Pray for, the, pray for the children in those schools and the teachers because it's, uh, I can only imagine as a teacher, I mean, you have enough mental stress as it is, but when it goes virtual, it adds to it. And so pray for, pray for the mental capacity of our teachers because, I mean, this is new for everybody. Uh, it was mentally challenging preaching to a camera. That's why, and notice I was more, I, I don't know why it is, uh, I was uh, moving around in, in the revival, and then now on Sundays, I know I'm live streaming, so I'm, I don't know, I, my mind is messing with me. Uh, but anyway, uh, just pray, bottom line, pray for everybody. Pray for each one of us, because uh, we're, we're all going through new things. Pray for John, he sees it every day. He sees uh, cases every day. Uh, he sees crazy things happen at that hospital every day. Pray for him and the safety of his workers. Pray for Bob. I mean, he's just painting the walls. Bentley said, did you work hard or did you just paint? <laughs> Sounds like Bentley knows the inside scoop at St. Francis. I don't know. No, I'm just teasing. But I love each and every one of you. I, I really do from the bottom of my heart. Uh, I can't tell you enough that I am grateful to be your pastor. I don't know if I've said that as a body of the church but I want you to know that I am grateful to be your pastor tonight you mean a great deal to me uh, I understand that I'm young and my family are new in this but uh, y'all have made it feel like home very quickly um, even with the coronavirus y'all made it feel like home and y'all helped us settle in and took us in and I am forever grateful uh, I love this church I love the spirit of God in this church Listen, that's one thing that we have. We have the Spirit of God in our church. And don't take it for granted. Please don't take it for granted. All right, if you will stand with us tonight, we'll be dismissed. Brother Mark, would you care to dismiss us? Father, as we go about our business tonight, that we would 
be mindful and, and always put you first. That way that whoever we come in contact with or that may come in contact with us would always see your life, Father. Lord, we just ask for those who are traveling that you would guide, guard, and direct them, Father, that you would give them traveling mercies to, to and from their destination. Father, until we can meet back at our appointed next time, <coughs> Father, we just, we just thank you once again for all that you do. In Jesus' name.